Well, hello there. <laughs> Welcome back to a new episode of The Walk. And the hello there, that is a meme from uh, the prequels. <laughs> it's what Obi-Wan says all the time. And uh, it's how I usually open my Star Wars videos. Uh, which, by the way, are, are going pretty well. I'm, I'm enjoying doing a, a commentary, a weekly commentary on The Mandalorian. And in order to distinguish myself a little bit from all the recaps that you can find elsewhere on YouTube, I focus more on the religious and mythological elements. It's kind of my, my forte. It's always been my forte to, uh, to highlight that because it's not necessarily something that every Star Wars fan is um, very much acquainted with. So it's a lot of fun to be able to kind of go back to the roots of what I used to do in podcasting. And I'm also glad that it's just The Mandalorian and it's just, what is it, 10, 10 episodes. Um, so in terms of preparation and execution, it is feasible. And that's kind of the, like the running theme of this past week. Me trying to keep things... There's a young guy testing out his uh, motorbike here for some reason. Um, it's, it's trying to keep things in check when it comes to ambition and investment these these usually are the busiest weeks of the of the year we're heading straight for christmas it's one you know looming dot on the horizon for parish priests because it's so busy and uh in, in contrast with to um to lent Advent is over before you know it. It's barely four weeks. Normally the fourth week is already kind of butchered very quickly because of that fixed date of uh, Christmas itself. Whereas with Lent, you've got, you know, 40 days and it's much easier to kind of uh, switch to that mindset that you need to get into the, the mood. Um, and no wonder I think that a lot of uh, radio stations start playing Christmas music earlier and earlier just because, you know, Advent is too short. Maybe they should just make it a little bit longer. I don't know. 40 days. Why not? Uh, <laughs> of course, Catholics always have an extended Christmas period after the celebration of the first day of Christmas because it extends all the way into the new year. But then the rest of the world has already moved on. Anyway, it's the the... One of the things that I remember from last year around this time was how extremely busy it was. So I've, I, I was working full-time against deadline after deadline to get shows ready, TV shows, podcasts. Working ahead, we were in the middle of starting up this new channel uh, that we were launching in the Netherlands, Catholic Today, and uh, we needed to hire people. Uh, figure out what we were going to do, uh, come up with the brand, and all that in addition to all the usual work that we already had. And I think it had as a result that my uh, Christmas holiday completely went down the drain. I remember getting calls. I, I vowed that uh, last year I would take a week off after Christmas just to you know recuperate. And that completely failed because I got calls in the middle of the vacation to do extra work for TV. And then they were also building an in-house studio uh, at the office for, um, for the online component of, of the TV show. And all that just completely robbed me from any time to recover. Um, and the, the next few months after that were, I think, the worst in many years. Because um, 
until the very last moment we were not certain that the TV show would continue and so uh, we started very late with you know the preparations and the filming for the for the next season we were talking I think back then about 10 episodes that had to be filmed and so uh, the months after that starting that new new channel with all the you know high ambitions and maybe the expectations weren't as high as my ambitions but you know me when I launch into something being creative guy I often uh, quickly underestimate the amount of time that it takes uh, to you know to to uh, accomplish things and to realize them um, but to have that stress of this new brand and this new channel and a, a new audience to conquer <laughs> and at the same time doing way more work than previous years in TV production plus trying to stay as faithful as possible to my existing audiences internationally without much you know support uh, it's for <clears throat> something I realized yesterday when I was writing down the plans for 2020 I'm thinking my biggest audience is of course TV but that's <clears throat> also the least interesting audience because it's an older audience um, of, of uh, very let's say people that are usually Catholic and volunteers in their parish etc so it's a very motivated audience and it's also an audience that will in time disappear and then I have the much more interesting audience which is the international audience uh, usually a much younger audience and also very diverse audience of people that are believers, non-believers, atheists I've got everything in there and, and it's a sizable audience and then in, in, in addition to that we have a third audience and that's for our Dutch Catholic channel which is also very small um, and, and you know it, we're, we're just getting started but uh, the, that core audience that international audience that I think is the most interesting one to work for is the one where I have no support whatsoever um, except for the monetary support of the patrons who allow me to do this uh, and to uh, finance uh, equipment and that sort of stuff but it's, it's still something I do mostly by myself. The, the vlogs, the Star Wars videos, the podcasts, all that. I got a little help from Inge, who is putting the shows on, on the web, making sure that uh, technically everything works so you, that you can download these shows. And that's a great help because that's really a, t- that, that's a huge time saver for me. But all in all, it's, it's, it's interesting that the... the, the Let's say the area where I want to grow the most next year, I had the least um, resources in a certain way. And so the, what I wanted to prevent in these next few weeks and in the first month of January is to complete is to overwork, get overworked and to do too much and to underestimate the, the amount of work that it takes to put all these shows out I'm going to cross the road here but I'm walking on a bridge over the road so I don't have to wait for the traffic lights it's early in the morning I'm glad we still have some sun uh, it's not going to last very long I think we're going to get uh, colder weather tonight tomorrow I wasn't even supposed to be here recording actually I was supposed to be in The Hague where we had planned originally to film three separate episodes for uh, our Dutch channel. 
and uh, uh, two of those appointments fell through at the very last moment. The only one left was at 7.30 in the evening with a Catholic politician that we wanted to interview. And then, uh, of course, going all the way to The Hague with a camera, uh, with a, a, a presenter, um, for just one small interview, really not worth it. So initially I planned on... Um, uh, we wanted to do a, a second interview in another town not far from The Hague made arrangements for that and then I got the call that um, I had to be in the south of the Netherlands tomorrow morning very very early we were going to film our second Christmas episode which is a story about it's the sequel to uh, um, an episode in which I filmed a lady who has built this massive 30 meter long Christmas diorama with all sorts of Christmas stories uh, around the nativity scene and then um, she built that in her own home in her own house completely covered up from 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 attic to uh, to basement with uh, with Christmas uh, scenes and the next episode that I'm going to film tomorrow is uh, it's the the exposition of this entire diorama in um, in uh, groves a big big groves like grottos that were dug into the soil in a southern town uh, for uh, stone winning and now they are uh, used for tourism etc and so this one guy ordered or, or yeah ordered this this uh, Christmas diorama and now puts it on display and I'm going to have the bishop there as well the local bishop um, who is going to uh, read stories that I created together with uh, a writer uh, around certain of these a number of these scenes it's a lot of fun to make um, but he still needs to read them <laughs> on camera so that I can turn those into short video episodes like small educational episodes that parents can watch with their kids and uh, learn a little bit about the, uh, about nativity about the real meaning of, of Christmas <laughs> and um but, of course, I was bound to the very busy calendar of the bishop. And so, just at the very last moment, it hurt that I had to be uh, in, uh, in uh, Limburg in the south very early. So, I'd, I have to leave at 6.30 in the morning. And that's where I realized, if I, do, if I go to The Hague right now, uh, today, <laughs> on Tuesday, then I'll be completely... Over, um, str- I'm going way over my physical boundaries of what of, of what I can handle. It's too much work, and I have to choose. And so, ultimately, I uh, I made the decision to cancel today's appointments and to focus on on the Christmas episode because, well, it's not every day that you get a, a bishop in front of a camera. And his secretary told me that it's probably going to be the last day before Christmas that he was available at all. So I was like, okay, that is a very clear choice to make. But it's also I'm I'm kind of happy that I decided. It wasn't hard. It wasn't easy to to uh, make this hard decision on on canceling those interviews because I usually really like to keep my promises. And uh, if we set out to do something, I want to deliver. But in this case, I also need to consider the true price uh, to pay. It's not just a day of work, but it's also the price that I pay with my health. And uh, 
I was just the other day, I was thinking of my dad, who's now in this uh, recovery home. Um, he's not getting better. Uh, he's still very confused. Um, and uh, there are signs that it's actually worsening. He can't walk anymore. Um, he's surrounded by people that are way more uh, confused than he is right now. So he has no one to talk to. It's a very sad situation for him, and I really hope that soon he'll be able to to move to another um, care home, uh, another center uh, closer to where my mom lives. Um, but I was thinking, so now he can't do anything. And my father was always a workaholic, so almost addicted to his work. He was always in his room. Uh, he was a judge. And he started as a teacher. He's uh, uh, in, in uh, law. Um, so he was a law teacher at, at uh, two universities. Then he, for a couple of years, he worked for a di- one of the dioceses, the southern dioceses in the Netherlands, as a counselor. Um, I'm not even sure what the... Is it a chancellor? I think it's a chancellor in, in canon law. But anyway, he, he was running, let's say, operations and giving legal advice. And then after that, he became a full-time judge at, in a higher court, so a court, court of appeal, I think you call it. And so with that, he, he was constantly preparing all the sessions and the, the, we don't have jury, uh, how do you say that, J- jury, jury law. Uh, we have professional judges. And so my father was one of those professional judges. And, uh, but he was always working. And not really paying attention to his health, uh, smoking a lot, uh, no physical exercise whatsoever. Um, and that has been the pattern of, of his life. He got a, um, a uh, what you call that, an aneurysm in his brain, uh, where you have the brain starts to bleed uh, when he was, I think, 34 or something like that. So very, very young age, he already had a, a brain hemorrhage, actually. From which, thanks to his age, he recovered quite well. And you think that then you start to live a very healthy life because the blood clots and uh, clots and everything were kind of linked to his poor physical condition, I guess, uh, including in addition to some hereditary aspects. Um, but he didn't, and he just continued to work, 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 work. And now he's spending his days not being able to do anything anymore. And I was thinking, if he had spent a few hours every week on living a healthier lifestyle, on running, I don't know, going on a bike. I'd never seen my father doing physical exercise. <laughs> and he wasn't really heavy or anything, but just, I don't know, the smoking and the, the not always working, the stress. My father was very susceptible for, for stress, work stress and other stress. If he had spent a little bit more, more of his time on his health, he would maybe still be much fitter now. And because the the the, the affliction that he has, that the the veins in his leg were so eroded and so bad that they had to amputate the leg, none of that would have happened had he lived a little healthier. And then he may have been able to do so much more. It, now that he is uh, 76 years old 78, is he 78? I'm starting to forget, I'm getting old 
but that was kind of a the train to Germany classic ingredient of the walk <laughs> so that was kind of a wake-up call for me if I continue to work 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 and be consumed with the, all the things that right now I think are vital and so important and etc instead of becoming a little bit more pragmatic and thinking well what is good for me in the long term and if it's good for me it's also going to be good for the work that I do because if I'm not healthy if I'm not fit I can't do the the work that I'm called to do so it and and that's that's a, an easy trap to fall into when you think that spending time on let's say working out or walking or running is a waste of time is something optional something that you know only if you've finished everything uh, and all the other priorities that come first after that i'm going to work on my health um it's a it's a it's a mistake because working on your health is just as much an obligation i think or a duty let's call it a duty because no we're, we're not obliged to do that no one is forcing us but it's a it's one of our duties i I think moral duties because if we are healthy we are better at our work we can be there more for others we have more energy and if we put all our energy in in work just to get that you know five percent more efficiency or whatever or output who's going to care a year after now if i think back of what what did i do five years ago i can't even tell you anymore (laughs) And all the things that I was worried about and stressed about, none of that matters a couple of years later. And so it's only a few years later. But the fact that I invested in running, that I prepared for marathons, that I tried to stay fit, fit, that I tried to eat healthy, um, keep my, my weight in check, all that has demonstrably... I'm trying to use all these difficult words early in the morning... <laughs> Have, have very clearly had a positive effect on my overall well-being, uh, uh, on my activities. And so making that decision to skip to, uh, today's uh, uh, interviews in the long run is not going to matter. Not even in the short run is going to matter because no one is waiting for, it, for, that, for those interviews. And it also makes me, encourages me, to uh, be really careful in the next couple of weeks because it's only going to get busier and around these, you know, times, Christmas, uh, Pentecost, Easter, I always get extra creative and I want to do so much and there's so, it's such a visual time. But there is also a lot of other stuff around that people enjoy and so it's uh, in order to stand out in all the christmas programming you really need to deliver and it's not guaranteed that it'll work so why not just do what i do as as good as i can but also keep the balance in uh in my overall life sleep uh distributing the energy in the right way and and investing and it's more than just making time for leisure, but investing in leisure time. Investing in moments where you don't have to worry, where you can just walk around in the woods and smell the 
smell of the leaves on the, that are slowly decaying, <laughs> listening to the birds. I'm right now in the park, that's why I'm so inspired. <laughs> that, is, that is so important um, and something that you so quickly forget. This brings me to another thing that I'm, <clears throat> that I'm learning, and I'm only at the beginning of this because I'm not good at it at all, and it's, that is to take executive decisions and to lead. This is something that probably um, is, has to do with uh, my character. I'm always looking for uh, consensus. I want to lead by, by making people enthusiastic. I'm very good at that I'm, because I'm kind of this uh, bouncing bunny myself as soon as I see something that I like and I get super excited and that is contagious. So that's always been um, my way to lead. It's let's do this. This is awesome. Come on, let's, let's go for it. But now I'm in a position where with the growing um, responsibilities that I have and the growing complexity of the organization that I lead um, in order to make room for that enthusiasm and for creativity to flourish I also need to safeguard it and to protect it from overzealous uh, initiatives malfunctioning uh, situations and I have to take hard decisions and sometimes disappoint people because they may have other expectations that I don't have. And yet it will be up to me to say, this is what we're going to do. And I've gotten quite a bit of feedback uh, in the last couple of days that I'm not clear at all in leading in that way. That if I think, and this is, this is true, I, I can, I can uh, uh, assert that, if I, if I think that I have said very clearly, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're not going to do, and this is the way I want this to be done, and even that, that last phrase, you know, this is what I want, this is what I want you to do, because I'm, I'm the boss. In, in this organization, of course, I'm always there to serve, and as a priest, I'm, I, I, I really want to be serving, serving, but sometimes serving also means leading and means taking decisions. Um, but when I think I've, I've communicated something very clearly, there's, there can't be any confusion. And then I'm really baffled that people didn't get it and that they go in a totally different direction. And it's because I actually don't communicate it uh, strongly enough. And I try, <laughs> it sounds, and this is involuntary, but it sounds as if it's an optional thing. You know, we could do this. And... It's again trying to lead through enthusiasm, which is very subjective in the way that it is perceived. And so, uh, for me, the challenge is to be much clearer and also to dare being more blunt sometimes. Or what I what feels like being blunt, just saying no, without explanations, you know, without trying to defend myself, but just no. Why? Well, because I say so. That is something that is so not in my system. Because I'm always afraid that by saying no, I'm going to hurt people. And I should know better. Because I've <laughs> discovered in my life that saying no is vital to protect uh, what is truly precious. And saying yes is to everything is the, the quickest way to burn out. 
and to not getting anywhere. So no is always a yes to something else. In this case, saying no and saying this is what you should do and whatever other ideas, of course, we're listening to that. We're trying to find the right way together, but I'm the one who takes a decision. I'm the one who, who points to the next destination. That is something that I'm still learning. But it is vital to prevent uh, this going in all directions. The more complex the organization is, the clearer the leadership needs to be. That's true in my organization, in the media organization that I lead. But it's also true in the church. The more complex the situation is, the clearer the leadership and the message has to be. Yesterday we had a board meeting, and we have a new board member. It's a, one of my parishioners, a great guy, very, very happy with his contribution. He works uh, in the police force, uh, has a lot of experience in uh, HR, so human resources management, asks a lot of pertinent questions. Um, and one of the things he asked us yesterday is, do you have a document that details your mission and the priorities in that mission? And the, the rest of the board, including me, we were like, yeah, I th- yeah, sure, we, I th- we, have, we have one, don't we? And he's like, the fact that you don't even know if you have one and what it says is a clear sign that you should redo this exercise and refocus on what is your mission because it will help you decide. And later on, I'm thinking, yeah, that's so true. Having a very clear idea of your main vocation, your calling, your mission, whatever you want to call it, um, is incredibly important to do the right thing and to, to um, distinguish between what is good but not necessary or not helpful and what is the right thing to do <laughs> and what is absolutely something to avoid. <clears throat> and... Uh, once you have communicated that mission, it becomes easier to lead also by, uh, by saying no and yes. Because the, the ideal situation is that everyone in your organization knows what the mission is and thereby also knows what the rationale is between those firm decisions that you have to take as a leader. If there's confusion about the mission and confusion about the goal of you know, what, what are we actually doing, and it doesn't really matter what we do as long as we're keeping ourselves busy, then, you know, you get, you get the feeling that everyone is equal and, this, and nobody really leads. And that is, I think, the transition that I'm currently in. Wow, they built an entire new supermarket here. There was a small German supermarket here. The Germans are taking over the supermarket business in the Netherlands. This is one of those littles. This one is not so little anymore. Anywho, um, the, uh, so the, but I think that the, the trouble that I have is uh, if I know what, what I want is by, by being super clear in the communication. But let me give you another example. So a couple of weeks ago, I went to film this series in Scotland and England. And the story was very clear. I'm going to go to this, the, the places where it all started for Northern Europe, where these early monks became missionaries, and I want to find out how they did it, because we're in trouble right now. We're squandering the heritage that, we, that they've given us, and we're clearly lacking something. 
what is that? What did they find that gave them that energy and gave them that inspiration to go out and evangelize? And what can we learn from that? So a very clear, I think very pertinent quest. While we were filming, we quickly realized this is way more uh, material and too good of a story to just put in two episodes. And and you have to realize it's two times 22 minutes max. So it's not not even 45 minutes. This story, we, we were filming for a week. This deserves at least four episodes. And, but, but I also know that the one who is responsible for the uh, TV show is very wary of even two-parters. And uh, because he's got the feeling that the program has to be as diverse as possible to keep people's attention. So this hunting for, for um, let's say, the ratings... Um, if people see, well, it's just part two of the same story, then they won't watch anymore. Well, <laughs> there are lots of things to say about that. If you tell a story badly and the second part is equal to the first part, then of course nobody will want to watch it. Um, but it's not. And <laughs> in none of my stories that is the case. Uh, I did a two-parter about the life of, um, of this Dutch priest in France which was deliberately constructed as slow TV, in the sense that I wanted the, the viewer to have the feeling that they're actually there and that they slow down. And, well, for maybe for some viewers that backfired a little bit. They thought, oh, it's just the same. Um, but I also got a lot of feedback from people that said, oh, that was so delightful to have two weeks in a row where we could just be there and slow down. And so it was a, a bit of a, an experiment. And I don't think there's anything wrong with experimenting a little bit with storytelling like that. Also made me aware of the fact that I really dislike working in regular TV and being bound to these, you know, 22-minute episodes every week. (laughs) And even having to deal with, you know, these prognostics of, well, nobody's going to watch that. That is so killing for creativity. I think it's much better to look back and see, well, hey, this worked, let's do more of this. And this didn't work, so let's not do that again. It's much more helpful than trying to, to, to project what the audience is going to do because experience has shown that you cannot really predict this. There were episodes that I aired that were major successes. It's the same with YouTube. I'm, sometimes I'm, I'm putting out a video and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be viral. Nothing happens. And then I put another little video, some, like a small vlog or something, and all of a sudden there's this surge of viewership, and the algorithm kicks in, and you're like, but what the heck happens? <laughs> so, <coughs> but it's, you never get the hits if you don't try, uh, and, and also are ready to sometimes miss something. Well, with the whole Scotland-England story, I'm not too worried, because it's super... Adventurous, and we, we travel from place to place. There's also always something new to discover. And uh, in that respect, it's much more the kind of television that I want to continue to make, which is focused on bringing people along. I'm currently working, or started working, on just, just spotting the material that I have on a um, uh, compilation of the material that I shot uh, many years ago in in Australia and New Zealand. It's um, when I visited there, and this was, I, to my shock, 
I discovered yesterday that, that I filmed that in 2013. It's crazy. I thought that this was just four years ago or something like that. And instead, it's nine years ago. No, six years ago. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, time flies. But um, it's, it's, uh, when I was re-watching that, I was like, this is so cool. This is a journey through Australia, a journey, journey through New Zealand. This is the kind of storytelling that I get excited about and what I do, want to do even better the next time. Back then, I didn't have a very good camera, nor did I have any experience. And if I had to go back there, I'd do a much better job. But given the situation, it's still material that gets me very excited. And that is also important to... to that. I think that that should count in the decisions that I made. So I got this email back this morning. Well, three episodes about Scotland and England. Well, you'd have to really work hard on making that... You're making each episode um, unique, and we need to think about communicating this, uh, because otherwise, why would people watch three times the same thing? And I'm thinking, well, but there are so many other television series that do exactly this. If you go and watch, there, there are, there's one of our, the most popular genres right now on Dutch television, documentary-wise, is documentaries that take the viewer for multiple weeks, sometimes like eight or ten episodes, Along, let's say, there was a series where this uh, reporter would go through France and visit all these towns and interview people, and you you make this trip through France. Then there was another show that went to the Yellow River in the north of of China, the area where my grandmother came from, and this guy speaks Chinese very well, and 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 takes you on this journey through China, and you're in this world. It's like, wow, this is so cool. And, and that was a, a massive success on, t- on TV. Because of its long form, because of this journey that, that made people addicted to the story and wanted to see what happened next. But that is the kind of storytelling that we pursued in Scotland and England. And that is what keeps me going. And I, why wouldn't that work for the viewer? So, but I know, I know that even before, we, we, before, before I pitched a three-part episode or a three-part special... I had this apprehension. I kind of predicted that I would get that reaction. Was well, I'm not sure if that's going to work, and people are not going to watch it. Says who? <laughs> and I have to again. Well, that's not a problem because I ultimately um, I do what I do. And it's not that I that I'm going to squander uh, great material just because there is this possibility that maybe people will not watch it. Um, I think I'll just do it and we'll, we'll, we'll review afterwards but I'm also thinking this is one of those moments where I have to be very very firm in stating this is what I want to do and ultimately I'm not there to entertain an older audience that just wants to you know have a different story every week I'm, I'm there to, to tell a story that I want to tell and if that's not good enough for TV, then it's not good enough and we'll bring it elsewhere. <laughs> but it is choosing for what gives you energy. Also, with the purpose of keeping that balance. If I only do things because in the back of my mind I have um, other people, uh, you know, uh, trying to lead where I actually should lead. And, and in this program, I, I feel that I'm, I'm the, I decide what kind of stories... 
I tell. The show bears my name. <laughs> so, uh, and that doesn't mean that you don't have to listen to advice. Um, and that's sometimes... I always take that into account. It always makes me think twice. Okay, so how can we... Uh, you know, is this... First of all, is this valid? Uh, is this... Is this uh, fear that is justified or not do we have any examples of this do you have counter examples um, and also you know it, it, uh, always take a potential feedback as an as a possibility to improve what you do so it's very it's not I don't want to discard feedback like this but it's also important to stay true to that to, to what, what I think in the long run is going to give me <laughs> a balanced life and the, the, the feeling that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, storytelling is not uh, a random business. It's like, oh, you're just a good storyteller. Just tell whatever story. No. I tell stories out of a mission. I want to demonstrate something. I want to explain something. I want to inspire. And in this case, the underlying quest is I want to find out what to do in the future in our Catholic Church that is suffering and that is that is crumbling and in order to do that I do what the church has always done in times of crisis and, and, ch- and cultural change go to the roots that is you know Vatican II the huge multi-year council that was held in uh, the Catholic Church in the early 70s was Exactly, that was going to a, a in French you would call it ressourcement. So go back to the sources, the origins, your roots, and rethink what you're doing today on the basis of what worked in the past and what what, what was clearly um, the the lead of the Holy Spirit. If that quest, if that question, and the search for answers takes more than one episode. It just means that you're probably on the right track because there are no simple answers to the current crisis. And so it is this quest can, I think, span multiple episodes. Why not? Because it's something I want to figure out. I'm, the, the name of the show is Father Roderick Seeks the Light. I'm searching for the light. I'm searching for answers. So if that, if that quest, if searching takes multiple episodes, let it be. That's what the show is all about. And if I would, you know, summarize everything, well, here are just three bullet points that I find out during my week in Scotland. Uh, this and this and that. Let's move on to the next topic. Then even narratively, it would lose its impact. And when people would think, oh, well, if that's all, you know, whatever, what's next, you know? So it's, it's also making room for, to tell this story and to take people along in this discovery as a liminal experience, something that I explained in uh, my commentary on Star Wars often, it's this, this, the, the fact that you take people on a journey helps them to temporarily step away from the current situation, go to a different, in this time, a different world, a different time, a different environment, experience the stories of the people that live there and learn through their eyes, learn through what they went through and then when you go back to your day-to-day life, that's where you apply what you've learned. That is the essence of the kind of storytelling that I want to do. It's very similar to what we do in fairy tales and in biblical stories and mythology. Um, and if, I, if, if that's what I feel called to do, 
that I have to go for that. And if that means that maybe the medium that I'm currently working in on TV is not the right medium or it's, it's uh, preventing me from realizing that, that kind of storytelling, then I should search for, some, for, another, uh, for another area to work in. Um, so, anyway, <laughs> those are the things that I'm currently um, experiencing. Um, I think it will take quite a while for me to become a firm, a good leader. <laughs> and being a good leader means to be extremely clear about the objectives. And I think I've got a pretty good view of, of my own objectives. And in that respect, there has been a lot of progress over the uh, last couple of years. The focus that I currently have is, uh, is v- super valuable. And now the next step is going to be to communicate that focus to everyone that I work with to implement that focus in the decisions that I make on where I spent my time and also to be very careful with the energy that I put in stuff and to, and to make sure that I also invest in my health and in taking some time off to get some creative room in your head all in order to safeguard uh, the, the, the flourishing of the mission the, the development of the mission itself um, thank you so much for listening thanks for being a supporter over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick and if you want to support me then go over there and join that little club of, of helping hands uh, financially and I will keep you up to speed with uh, what we're going to do with all that help <laughs> talk to you next week thanks for listening and God bless <laughs>